Gentlemen, sorry for the delayed start. Uh, the reason will become apparent in a second. Um, just a couple of points of order. Uh, we have no fire alarms planned today, so if the alarm goes off, please meet on the grass at the front of the building. Uh, will everybody please ensure that their mobile phones are turned off? Um, that just reminds me where mine is. Forgot mine. Yeah. Um, Yes. <laughs> yes, at least twenty pounds, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, apologies for absence. I have an apology from Howard Riles who is skiing. Apart from that we're a full house. Um, declarations of interest. Oh yes, yeah, sorry. Um, Anthony Gerard is standing in for John Lodge. Sorry, Anthony. So used to seeing you now. <laughs> declarations of interest. Saffron Walden Town Council. Yes? Okay. Uh, minutes of previous meeting. Can I sign them off with a... Yes, OK. Do you want me to make the amendment that we've agreed? OK. Uh, what I'd like you to do, Anna, is on minute PC115, the last time we said the minutes of the meeting held on the 14th of November were approved subject to noting that the recording was available from which a transcript could be prepared if necessary, yeah? I wanted to say the minutes of the meeting held on the 14th of November were approved subject to an amendment to include a full transcript of the recording, which is in fact what we've now got and which is available, okay? Which is actually what was said. Is that okay for you, Mr Fairhurst? Thank you, Mr Chairman. Okay, Anna, yeah? And with that, uh, I can sign off the rest of the minutes. Yes, everybody? No? Mr Chairman, I have a matter regarding the minutes of the 21st of November, regarding Berrywater Lane. The okay. last paragraph on page 5, not quite accurate. Bear with me. Sure. Those aren't the minutes. That's the meeting before, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Mr Chairman, as recorded there, didn't quite... I would ask if the officers could check the, the recording, but um, I think what you actually said was that there had been problems over the past with applications in Newport, particularly with Berrywater Lane and White Ditch Lane, and I think we, there was a request for a cumulative impact assessment. I believe, and I'm not sure, but I believe you agreed that that was a good idea, and I'd like that to be recorded. Um, but if the audio could be listened to and just checked, that would be great. Okay. Um, I'll, Anna, can you make a note of that? And we'll look back and, if necessary, make the necessary amendment or bring it before you to make sure it's correct. Thank okay. you very much. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Uh, page 6, the 1, 2, 3, 4th paragraph down of the minute concerning the land east of Thaxted Road, uh, it stated that although each application should be determined on its own merits, an important highways mitigation measure can only be delivered if both applications are granted. Now, that is a fact, uh, but I feel we have not dealt with what is a very serious situation because we've always had drilled into us that every application must be considered in isolation on its own merits, and we've complied and conformed to that meticulously. Uh, now, with respect to these two applications that were considered at the last meeting, Neither one would stand alone by virtue of air pollution. And the only reason why the two of them together 
do stand alone, which is odd. Of course, it suggests that if you add 1 plus 1 together, you end up with 1 or something like this. It, the arithmetic doesn't look very good, but the reason why is you relieve congestion at Thaxted Road, Radwinter Road Junction, because traffic will filter through three housing estates past people's front doors, uh, which is something of its own merits or not. But we have not resolved the fact that if you are supposed to deal with things separately, you can put them together when it's convenient to get a consent. And that's what this appeals, this, what this appears to be. Now, the very important thing, which is also drilled into us all the time by fellow councillors and by officers, is that public um, confidence in the system is vitally important. We have that drilled into us all the time, public confidence in the planning process. And what it looks like from the outside here, and it will be said, and will be said many times, I'm sure, is that they've got to be dealt with on their own, except when it's convenient to put them together to get the result that maybe some people are after. And we do have examples of that elsewhere. We have Ferry Water Lane um, in Newport and the developments up there. They're all dealt with individually as piecemeal. And the result is you end up in a place where you really should not be, arguably. Uh, and I think we need to resolve this and have a method of dealing with applications where two of them or more have to be tandem together. At the moment, there is no guidance on this matter. Councillor Chambers. Mr Chairman, I, wouldn't, I wasn't going to uh, butt in on this, but I would like to ask you, or I'd like to ask um, Mrs Smith through you, that I think that's a question was asked about the actually putting the, the two applications not necessarily together. They were discussed separately, but then voted on separately as well. But there was a particular reason why these two applications were put together. Is that right, Mrs Smith? <coughs> that's correct, uh, Councillor Chambers. The situation is that the SIL regulations which govern matters that can be included within a Section 106 agreement require, among other things, that the matters that can be included within a Section 106 agreement be proportionate to the development in question. In the case of these developments, the mitigation in the form of the spine road would have been disproportionate on each individual application. However, if the two were granted under separate consents, then in aggregate, the each development could contribute to that mitigation and pro rata, it was proportionate. Thank you. Thank <coughs> you, Mrs Smith. Um, Councillor Gerard. Sorry, if I can just offer maybe, a, maybe perhaps we could ask Councillor Lemon to bring this into the scrutiny that we discussed last night of major applications and possibly he could bring it up I think, I in, think, in that remit. I think it's fair enough to say it is a major application. So if it's broad enough, then that can be looked at. I mean, we've had a discussion before this meeting, Councillor Freeman, uh, about this. And uh, we also said that basically I don't think the public would thank us for not applying common sense when we've got two sites together and a road goes through them both. To look at those individually just doesn't stack up in my mind. And I, my understanding of it was that it was my discretion to a certain extent to take it in the form we did. So uh, I will be taking it a little bit further anyway, but um, your point is noted, okay? Um, any other points before I move on? Mm. 
Okay, I'm going to move on with uh, UTT 182478, full application, Madeline Jones to take us through. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you, Chair. Uh, this application is the um, site where members visited this morning following, in, following it being deferred from the last planning meeting in December. The site is outside development limits within 100 metres of the Flitchway and is a brownfield site located between the Stortford Road and the Flitchway in Little Camford. The proposal is for demolition of the existing residential property, which is this, located here, and the office building behind, um, and their replacement with an office building, cycle store, bin stores, and associated hard and soft landscaping. To the east and west of the site is agricultural land. This slide shows that there is a listed building here, Grade 2 listed building here, um, Strood Hall, opposite the site, and along the bottom here is the Flitchway, which is a local wildlife site. This shows the existing office building on the site, which has a width of 32.8 metres and is 14.65 metres in depth. It has a flat roof and is 5.5 metres in height and it is 87 metres from the Flitchway. And here's some photos of the existing building. That's the dwelling at the front of the site and that's the existing building. Um, and it's of poor construction. That is the listed building opposite the site. Um, so this is the proposed layout. Um, the proposed building would be 61 um, metres wide, so this is the building here, and 20.6 20 metres deep. Um, there's an area opposite Shrewd Hall. This has been kept free from any additional built form as far as possible by placing the parking area opposite the Shrewd Hall so the views from Shrewd Hall are still kept across um, the landscape. This slide shows the elevations. Um, members asked the height of the building. It is 9.3 metres from here to here, um, but the bulk of the roof is 8 metres high. Um, this shows the proposed parking. It, has, it would have 77 parking spaces. Um, as I say, the parking spaces are to the side and the front, and this has been um, negotiated at pre-application level because we wanted to keep this area free from built form. Um, the access, the existing access here is going to be closed and a new access created here. Um, the boundaries would be planted with semi-mature semi, semi trees and additional hedging and hedging and planting here. 
And this gives an indication of what the um, street scene, what it would look like from the street view. Um, that's the proposed ground floor and first floor plans. There's going to be a bin store and cycle store either end of the building. And this just shows more about the access. Um, the scheme has committed considerable areas to crops planting, hedgerow planting, and it also links the site to the Flitchway via the retained wet ditch, which runs down this side here, down to the Flitchway. The applicant has submitted a landscape and visual impact assessment and an ecological impact assessment. The northern boundary hedgerow will be removed and replaced to accommodate a new access point. The replacement boundary hedgerow will be longer and more diverse to result in a net gain of priority habitat. The site is predominantly brownfield. The council has a known shortage of commercial accommodation across the district and particularly in the south of the district. This application will help towards alleviating this issue. Subject to a condition requiring that all ecological mitigation and enhancement measures shall be carried out in accordance with the ecological impact assessment, the proposal would comply with policy Gen 7. The proposal is recommended for approval. Uh, thank you, Madeline. Uh, we have one speaker, the agent, Mr Paul Calder. Paul, again, my apologies for the delay last time. Thank you, Chair. Um, I will keep this short, and I'd just like to reassure members that when we were commissioned to look at the development of this site, the starting point of it was that landscaping and to assess the landscape character of the area. In light of this, we undertook a landscape visual impact assessment because we felt that was the starting point to any location of any new proposed development to replace that of the existing. In light of that, members will see from the application that there is significant additional landscape um, proposed as part of this. There is replacement and enhancement of the existing landscape features also. Members may have noted from the landscape visual impact assessment that cross-sections were also provided as part of the application to clearly demonstrate the location of the proposed building in light of the existing and how it's set back from the main road and its uh, neighbouring property, Strood Hall, which is a Grade 2 listed building. I won't dwell on the landscape features, but I'm sure the case officer has already done a very good presentation on that, and you can see that from the full application details. There's one point I would like to pick up, though, in a little bit more detail, and that's about the positive economic benefit this application will have. Firstly, from allowing existing businesses to develop and grow on site, we are very lucky to have successful applicants who have got growing businesses. As members would have noticed from the site visit today, they are outgrowing the existing premises. This proposed development will allow them to grow and maintain that business within the Uddersford administrative area. In addition to that, there is a start-up hub element included within this building, which I believe is vitally important. I myself have a, a young start-up business and trying to find affordable rents is quite hard. So this will provide affordable rents for young start-up businesses within the area and have, allow them to have a launch pad to either make, take up space if there's any left from the existing premises within the building or to launch elsewhere within the Uddersford administrative area. I think it would have a very good strong economic benefit and it will retain that within Uttlesford. 
The officer has done a very good committee report, in my opinion, and it clearly demonstrates the three arms of the National Planning Policy Framework, economic, social and environmental. These have all, I feel, been balanced and the true positive of the application, and of course I would say this, would be the economic benefit, but I do truly believe that the landscape potential of harm is mitigated and addressed. I hope members will see the positives of the application and endorse the officer's recommendation. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Calder. Um, members? Okay, thank you, Councillor. Now it's for up, Paul again. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Wells and then Councillor Gerrard and Councillor Fairhurst. Okay. Um, we spoke this morning about the, the size. I just wondered if um, the officer could just reconfirm the actual size as comparison to the old, compared to the old one. Right, the width of the existing is 32.8 metres and the existing of the proposed would be 61 metres. The depth of the existing is 14.65 and the proposed is 20.6. The height of the existing, as it's got a flat roof, is only 5.5 metres. The height of the proposed, as I said, to these gable ends it will be 9.3 metres to the rest of the roof is 8 metres. The volume, um, gross volume was 560 square metres and the proposed is 2,322 square metres. Oh, I understand it now. Okay. <coughs> is that enough for you Councillor Wells? It was the volume that I was interested in, so yes, that's fine, thank you. I think one of the things that's a little bit misleading here, and I've only just twigged it, is that basically the figures we were given this morning, which was sort of 500 square foot up to, or 500 square metres up to 2,500 square metres, it's because we've got a second floor going through. So it's basically, the footprint is sort of two and a half times the original, and if you add the second floor in, you've got five times the original, and that's where it's coming from. So it's a little bit misleading, so just for clarity, uh, Councillor Gerard and then Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, Mr Jones, thank, thank you for clarifying those, those figures that Councillor Wells asked for. Um, what we have, so, so basically the, the, the comments that the Parish Council have made, which is that it is essentially as the scale of the new versus the old, is ballpark five times. Now, obviously we're double the width, we're deeper, we're certainly much higher and the volume is much greater. Now in principle I have no problem with this application in principle. I think it's, it's, it's good that we're looking at a brownfield site, it's good that we're encouraging employment, looking for ways that businesses can expand and improve and I have no problem with the application in principle. I think the problem I have is with the backdrop of the scale and the size and the design of the main building. Um, I have a problem with that. Um, if, if we didn't have the Flitch Way nearby, if we didn't have a listed building across the road, um, I would probably say it's fine because it's, you know, it stands alone, it doesn't impact anybody, but actually I think that a better designed building, maybe one that was less, you know, um, 
bulky, maybe lower. Not, it, it just seems just too big for that location, particularly with Flitchway and the building. So, as I said, in principle I have no problem, but I do believe it is just too bulky and the scale is just too large. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, on the positives, I think we do agree that um, um, improved business facilities is always good. We want to encourage that. Economically, it's good. Um, I think also, I think we probably all agreed that the site itself is pretty ugly. Um, and it's a Brownfield site, and these are all good things. But there are some disquieting issues which need to be addressed. Um, looking at the Parish Council's comments, it is disturbing, and it's, it's unfortunate that they talk about the consultation in, very, in a very dim view. I think that it's essential that, that applicants do consult with people. It's part of the process, and it shows that the community has been involved in the decision, particularly in a case like this when we're looking at, at, at threatening their possibly rural way of life. Um, and I'd like to think that there's more, more um, um, diligence and more attention is paid to how we are consulted with and that the veracity of that consultation is clear before we look at these processes. Um, the second thing that worries me, it worries me a little bit more, is that we as a planning committee are the stewards, are the guardians of the way of life, of the, of the historic legacies of our environment. And uh, we don't pretend to be conservation officers. We don't know the ins and outs of the details of it. And we were, used to be very well served by our conservation officer who's no longer with us. Um, and I don't see a conservation report on this issue. Now, it's not in a conservation area, but it is in a rural area, and there's the Flitchway. And I, I'm going to get very difficult about the Flitchway because it seems to be quite an important part, integral part of, of our district. Um, and I think when it comes to the Flitch and when it comes, comes to listed buildings across the way, I think it's a massive gap in the application um, that I can't see a conservation officer of some repute saying, look, I've looked at this and I believe it's okay. So that's a, that's a gap for me, a really, a really big gap. Um, the third question is the disproportionate nature of the scale. Um, we did ask at the meeting today, we, we go to the, when we go to the sites to meet them, it's to get a better understanding of the real world situation. You can look at things on a, on a, on a, on a screen as much as you like, but you go there and see it, we can see how ugly it is, we can see the, the circumstances are, and these are all helpful. But we specifically asked for a, a, um, an overlay to get a, an idea of, the, of the, how ugly or how, how in, 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 imposing the creature will be. We discussed um, um, a landscape, which is wonderful. But I still can't get my head around just how how seriously, serious that impact will be on that process. And it makes making a decision like this very difficult. On balance, we're saying it's, it's business and it's ugly and it's brownfield. On the other side, we're saying conservation is dodgy at best. Um, I can't get a handle on the disproportionate scale of the process and I'm minded to, to propose to reject on the base or defer at the very least until I can get a better understanding of it. I'm not in a position to make a decision on the scale or on the conservation issues and these are two quite critical processes when we're dealing with this site. So I, at the very best I say is I'd probably go for deferring but I'm not proposing it quite yet. I'm going to ask Mr Brown just on the issue of the conservation officer's report. Mr Brown? I hear what you say, and you've got the, you know, obviously in terms of how you want to weigh conservation. But if you look at page 24 to uh, pages, pages 24 and 25, basically, where the case officer has run through the, the, the impact on the adjacent setting list of buildings, she has considered it. Do you want? Yeah. Do you want? Do, do, does Mad? Do you want to add? Do you want to come in? Yeah. Yeah, um, unfortunately, the applicant has submitted cross-sections of the site and they didn't get loaded onto the site. Um, 
is it okay for me to show, please? Because they will give you a better indication. I've got two. So that is the flitchway. This is the office building that's going up, and this is Stortford Road. So that's a cross section there. And then you've got Shrewd Hill here, the road, parking in front, and then the building. So I don't know if that helps you visualise better. Mr Chairman, I, I thank you for that. It certainly gives you some indication. Um, but we're not an amateur organisation. This is on the hoof, so to speak. Um, I'm not a conservation officer. I don't have the skill, particularly from a single sheet of paper, to draw a conclusion. So uh, thanks very much. I can, it looks pretty damn imposing to me. Um, but, but again, I'll say I don't pretend to any skill in the trade. Um, on the basis of that alone, I'd say if we don't do anything better than that, I would propose to defer. Uh, can I just park that for the moment, just while we finish everybody else's comments? Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Mr Chairman. First of all, I, I didn't visit the site this morning. I do know the site um, reasonably well. In fact, better, I should think, than most people in this room. Um, but what I'd like to say, Mr Chairman, is, is that it's always very difficult when you've got listed buildings and you've got things like Flitchway, and it makes it very difficult. But first of all, one thing we mustn't forget is it's a brownfield site. Now, if it's a brownfield site, within reason... They are going to get permission. If they don't get it from us, they're going to get it from somewhere else. Now, if you could just have a look at, uh, um, if you don't mind, Mr. John, if we could just have a look at the, uh, uh, the picture of the site as it is now. That, that one will do, but not that one. Keep going. Uh, that, one, that one of those will do. Now, that's what I call an awful building next to a listed building. That is typical, I don't know, 60s, 70s or something, stick something up and that would be totally out of keeping. Now if you look at, if you've got a photograph of what is being proposed, if it is like that, and it should be, because that's what they're putting forward, then surely it's much better to have something like that than it is to have an, an, an atrocity that was there before. Now what's your... What you've got to be very careful of is that in the future you'll be looking at different brownfield sites and whether they need expanding and what have you. But is it not better to have something like that that doesn't look, in my humble opinion, um, out of the way with the listed building, because it's the same, it's the dark brick and what have you, than it is to refuse it. It would probably get up on appeal, but that's not... That's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is you could have somebody coming along with another application that in actual fact was much worse than the one you've got before you. That's really what I'd, I'd like to say. With landscaping, we can make sure that they do do what they say they're going to do. Uh, I'm going to go Mr Brown, then Councillor Lachlan, yeah. then Councillor Freeman. Yeah. Picking up the, I think it was the first or the second half of Councillor Fairhurst's question about the, the absence of conservation officers' comment, we do need to consider the impact of the proposal upon the adjacent listed buildings. And I think everyone's doing everyone, each other a disservice here. You don't necessarily need a conservation officer in order to do that. Um, you know, you have an experienced planning officer who's, who's judged that. 
And to be honest, you're an experienced planning committee now, so you have been out on site and you are able to, to judge whether or not that's the impact. It's a combination of impact on the adjacent listed buildings and also the impact on the countryside as well is what you need. You do not necessarily need a conservation officer in this case to consider. We would have erred had we not considered the impact on the listed buildings, but I think the case officer's discussion fronted by very much that the, the, the applicant has put in a heritage statement. Now, I know members will always say that's, that's going to be skewed in a certain way to be positive towards the application, but it has to consider, the heritage statement needs to consider how the matter has been designed to, to, to accord with nearby listed buildings. And officers are satisfied we do not necessarily need the conservation officer's input into it. Members can take a contrary view. That is why we feel we've had a complete consideration of that particular point. Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, I've listened to everything that's been said. It is a brown field site. Excuse me, I'm going to cough. <clears throat> it's ugly. It's horrible. It does nothing for the area. Uh, the Economic Development Officer says that from an economic growth perspective, we are fully in support of this application. He says it's a good location and likely to have a strong demand from start-up and early-stage businesses. And I also noticed that 15 neighbouring properties, and I imagine some of those would have been uh, in the conservation area, only four replied, and only two of those were against. Two of them were actually in favour of this uh, development, probably because they think it's the best that they're going to get and they're fed up probably of living with what's there now. And I think that we would do a disservice if we were to vote against this in the hope that something better will come along. It may, it may not, but um, do we want to take a chance? If it goes to appeal, it may well win at appeal. Uh, so I think I will be voting for this. Councillor Freeman. Yeah, thank you, Chairman. Um, I, I have no very strong views on this, but if you look at the picture that's on the screen at the moment, that would do very nicely on Chesterford uh, Science Park, uh, which we half own. It's an exactly appropriate building for that sort of environment. But in the field in the middle of the country, it, it would be odd, in my view. It's nine metres high which is significantly higher than the five metres of the existing building. And although the existing building is fairly dreadful, it's fairly dreadful in a rather nice way, uh, in the sense that um, there's lots of Ministry of Defence buildings like that. They look at, when, when we turned up there, I thought we were actually turning up on a Ministry of Defence site, except we didn't have any barbed wire around it. But, I mean, that could be something in which you um, store a vehicle of some sort or whatever. Uh, yes, that could certainly be it. Uh, and I'm also mindful, Chairman, that we turned down uh, an application for a depot very close to this. Actually, it was on the edge of the Flitch Way, so it was different in some respects. But that, I seem to recall, was very high. It's about 14 metres, was it, something like this? It was surprisingly high. But it was a very similar sort of, it was a blocky building, fairly modern materials. In terms of the materials and the treatment, uh, anybody can do that, as it were. So, OK, it does look approximately like the listed building across the way. But I am concerned about the size of it, and it is in the middle of nowhere. Uh, you've got to get in a car and drive to go anywhere. OK, there's a bus stop 700 metres away. It's quite a long way when it's raining. Uh, and, you know, buses are few and far between. So, on balance, I feel that this is too big a building for that site. I don't have a problem with it. As a, the, per, the, the, the philosophy I find fine. Uh, you know, it's, it's a commercial building already, let's have another one. But I think this is just uh, trying to go too far. Uh, Councillor Lachlan. 
Thank you. Sorry, I'm a little bit surprised, Councillor Freeman. You've just said each application on its merits, and now you're saying this will be fine in Chesterford Research Park. We're not judging Chesterford Research Park. We're judging this application, and we should be doing that on its merits. And I'm judging it on its merits. Hopefully, we won't be taking our personal opinions in whether it's the Ministry of Defence, the RAF, or the SS, whatever. This, this is what it is. Uh, Councillor Hicks and then Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Chairman. <clears throat> I'd just like to um, um, support the views expressed by Councillor Chambers and Councillor Lachlan that uh, this is a brownfield site. It's a building that's replacing one which is a bit of an eyesore. It's like an old shed in the country, and uh, that's how it's grown. Um, we permitted business to take place there and to and uh, if you allow um, a business activity you expect that if it's a successful business it's going to grow and that seems to be what's happening here and uh, so a larger building is required and having visited the site this morning I cannot see how it can possibly impinge upon the views of the listed building the other side of the main road it's, it, there is um, uh, certainly sufficient distance to make um, uh, one not affect the other in, in my view in um, general aspect and I'm sure there are many worse buildings than this proposed building along the, end, the boundary of the Flitch Way along its length and, and there are other uh, commercial buildings at various parts which would be far worse than this one which, which appears to me to be quite an attractive design so I, I would support this. Councillor Fairhurst. <coughs> Thank you, Mr Chairman. I think this is rather amusing or interesting debate because I think we all agree on half the issue. We actually all agree that it's ugly. We all agree the business is good. And we all agree that it's a brownfield site. Hooray. So we've all agreed that and we've all discussed that and we've all agreed. So we've found consensus on that. What we haven't even discussed, though, is the other side of the equation. You see, let's assume that those three characters are all agreed upon. It's an ugly site. Its business is good and brownfield sites are good to work on. So we'll agree on that process. So let's bung the Eiffel Tower in the space. That seems a bit absurd. And we'll have a question from Lachlan because you shouldn't put Eiffel Towers in the space. I'm not being, not, I'm looking at different applications. It does matter what we put there. Those three things are important. Yes, business is great, and brownfield sites are great, and it's already ugly. Those, I agree, we concede that. But it also does matter what we replace it with. And if it's simply say, well, it's so damn ugly, we'll put a ship there, we know we're not doing our job. What you've got to say instead is, what are we putting there that is an improvement, and more importantly, is appropriate to this committee? And then we've got to ask ourselves the same old questions. The one question I've asked already, and we are not competent to discuss this, is what impact it has directly on a listed building across the road and the Flitch Way. We can say we discuss it, we can say we know everything about it, we don't. And in the past we've said at this committee we have huge confidence and trust in our conservation officers to get it done. We were told on the bus that we can outsource this and I'd, I'd implore us all to do that so we can move with a bit of confidence about what we replace it with. And the second issue which has been raised in our evidence is the disproportionate 
scale. And what we said today was we can't really see the scale. In fact, we discussed on the bus the cubic meters and the footprint. And we were even as recently as the beginning of this meeting, we were told that, in fact, the footprint wasn't quite three times or five times, actually two and a half times, because we don't know. And if we had an overlay, I could have an assessment of what it's going to look like in its place. We don't have that overlay. But what I'm saying is, and I'm not saying rejected, I'm saying I've got the first half right, we all agree on that. But on the second half, we could move with confidence if we're better informed. That's not rocket science. We agree on the first three points. What we don't agree on, what I don't agree on, is I do not believe the conservation officer's opinion. I'm not confident that we're making that decision. And once it's done, it's done. And everyone walking on the Fitchway for the next 250,000 years is going to say, good job, guys. That huge monstrosity is exactly what we wanted. And the second is, it's disproportionate scale is an issue. So conservation and disproportionate scale, I believe, are sufficient at least to warrant deferment. And I, again, once more, move for that. Well, I said I'd park that. Does anybody else want to have a say before I butt in? No? All good? Yes, Councillor Wells first. Could I just clarify what we are deferring for? We're, we're not deferring anything well, yet. What, what I... we are going to vote on, what, what was the purpose of the deferral? Um, I will come back to him on that in a minute, okay? Let's finish the debate and then I'll take his motion, okay? <clears throat> okay. Taking your point that the, um, we, it's an ugly building that exists, it has an economic use, but it is a brownfield site. Therefore, we are, or it is incumbent upon us now with government legislation to utilise brownfield sites to the maximum. We know from the Essex County Council reports that we have a shortage of small business uses. We know that as you go further down Takeley Road, there are other small business uses, not dissimilar to this, and also as you go in towards Stansted. So there is a, a demand, a huge demand in this area for smaller units. On the other side of it, you're saying that we're not, I'll use the word competent enough, to uh, decide on the conservation issues. Um, I'm afraid I'm with Mr Hicks on this. I think we can see where the listed buildings are. I think we can therefore judge the impact of this building on that building. I think we can also judge where the Flitch Green is, Flitch, Flitch Way is, and the impact that this may have on that. I mean, would people prefer to look at the back of this building or the back of the existing building? Um, I think I'd probably prefer to look at the back of the new one, personally. Um, we turned down the application for the depot because they were trying to build 14 metre high industrial units four metres away from the Flitchway. That is a completely different animal to what you've got in front of you today. And if you looked at the long sections, which I take your point, would be very nice if they were up on the screen, point noted. Um, I, in balance, think that we are capable of deciding on the conservation merits. Do I think this is an improvement? Yes, I do. Do I think it could have been a little bit smaller? Yes, it could. Would I have liked to have seen it with a flat roof? Yes, I would have done, you know, and that would have reduced the mass a little bit. But that doesn't mean that we should sit here as architects as such. That's not our role. Our role is to decide whether it should have a planning permission as such, based on what is in front of us. OK, so I, I take your point, first of all. You wanted to defer for, or you wanted a motion for a deferral. I need to understand exactly why, and I need to understand if somebody's going to second you for that. The terms are simple. One is disproportionate scale and whether the building itself is appropriate. Well, it's not, that's not a reason for a it's, deferral. It's overdevelopment. It's huge. Sorry, sorry, Chairman. You mean for a refusal? For, de for deferring, because I, I need to find out. If, if you show me a photograph 
of the creature or an overlay of the, of the current footprint with the other footprint, I haven't got the, even that to determine how much bigger it is. What we've been told is one is X and one is Y. I well, can't what see. What I can tell you with some certainty is that it's twice as long as the original. And it's can, also can we not just get a picture of that? As well, we I'll, I'll, I'll trust that something that was 30 metres long is now 60. Something that was nine metres, no. 20 metres, 14 metres deep is now 21. So therefore, it's increased in depth by 50% and it's increased in length by two times. That, to me, with the mat, makes it two and a half times bigger. Okay? On the footprint, two floors makes it five times bigger. But the height as such is disproportionate because this would have been all roof to floor to yes. ceiling inside rather than what we've got now. Yes. So I, I, I think that we've got enough information to make that. It's not a reason for a deferral. I think if, we could, if I had a professional conservation officer saying, Can on balance, I think it's justifiable, I'd feel confident. Okay, Mr Brown. Chairman, I'm concerned about this. This matter was deferred from the previous meeting for a site visit. You visited the site. If you wanted to defer it for other reasons, that should have been part of that same deferral. You, you know, the situation today is no different than it was a month ago. You wanted to visit the site, and I respect that. In, in retrospect, we, we should have visited the site beforehand. But members, have you, if you've got concern, this is, this is a very straight... I'm not saying it's an easy decision to make, but it's a very simple issue in terms of the balances. You've been given enough information, you've visited the site, you've seen the context. Members just need to decide whether or not this development in what you've provided would have a serious impact, would it be positive, would it be negative, and make the decision on that basis. And, and I think you need to clarify a bit more. You, you may have concerns about the proposal, and if you have serious concerns about the proposal, then you are on a strong terms and you've got the right to object to the proposal, but to defer it for those reasons is, is worries me to somewhat. Mr Chairman, um, I understand the, the worry that, that the planner might have. When we sit here, we have to feel confident in the decision we take. If we, do, if we lack the confidence, and we feel that confidence can be fulfilled by some further information, then we defer. If we can't, if you feel comfortable, if the entire committee is confident to go ahead, then so be it. The motion before it is because I don't feel that confidence. That's all. Right. Well, I have to, because you've made that motion, I have to see, does that find a seconder for a deferral? You're seconding for a deferral. Okay. Then we'll go to the vote on that. All those in favour of deferral, please show. Two. All those against, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six. Abstaining? Okay. So that motion is declined. Councillor Chambers. I would like to propose approval, Mr Chairman. Okay. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Hicks. Seconded, Chairman. Okay. We have a proposer and a seconder <coughs> for an approval. Can I have a show of hands, please? All those in favour? One, two, three, four, five, six. Those against? One. Abstaining? Two. Okay. That motion is carried. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, UTT 181811, full application at the Bell House, High Street, Hannam. And Mr Brown's going to take us through it in the absence of Mrs Denmark. <coughs> Thank you, Chairman. Yeah, I'll pick this up in the absence of, Council, of um, Karen Demmock, who was going to pick it up on the absence of David Gibson. So, excuse me, I'm, whether I'm a little bit 
clunky in terms of the presentation. Members visited the site this morning and um, members were recall going on to the site here and we walked around the site. The site was, for those who were able to visit the site, the applicant did a good job of setting up the site and actually showing what the site is. Um, the site sits outside the development limits of Henham um, in what is designated as open countryside and the conservation area of the proposal is actually fills within the boundary of the bell. So therefore you've got actually, um, you know, the, the bell sits within the conservation area. Basically the conservation area at that point follows the development limit boundaries. So once you're outside the development limits, you're also outside the conservation area as well. The proposal is for a new access to the site to serve three dwellings towards the rear, including a cart, cart lodge there. The proposal also includes a domestic extension. Um, we have a problem having read the report, the, the report itself um, that's been presented to us does not include any reference to the domestic extension, which worries me substantially. Um, the, the report does not refer to policy H8, which is where we should be considering, and this is where I'm picking up Council Affairs' point from the previous one, in that there has been no discussion in terms of the impact of the extension upon the conservation area. We could argue to the cows come home whether or not these three dwellings in this location have an impact on the conservation area. I'm not even going to argue that the extension has an impact on the conservation area. That discussion hasn't happened. So I would suggest that moving forward in this proposal, it would not be safe to make a decision. Bearing in mind this application has been deferred once, I would, I, it's, it's the Chairman's discretion. I would seriously suggest that we allow the public speakers to speak and then members can make a discussion because obviously we've got two, propose, two parts of the same proposal here. Members consider the proposal for the housing and if they feel that you know, that is sufficient to move forward, I would be unsafe on that because we can't consider that. So members can make that. But it's worth taking the discussion a little step further but, um, and then we can pick up the discussion. But that's the chairman's discretion. So my advice is to allow the public speakers to run with this and then pick it up after the public speakers to see where we go. I'm going to come to members and say, is everybody happy with that? I'm generally happy with that. Everybody's come yet again, so I want to let this run, OK? OK, common sense, yeah. Did you hear that, Mr Fairhurst? Common sense, yeah. Uh, on that point, please proceed, Mr. Brown. That was it, was it? Yeah. Well, I could go through members because the public, because the was so substantial, members have seen the elevations. Okay. Well, we've done the site visit. Um, I'll take the speakers in order. We have four speakers, and I'll start with Councillor Lees. I'm not going to take anywhere near the five minutes allocated because it's quite simple, isn't it, really? One of the things, of course, as I've said many a time when I come to a meeting, is um, how delighted I am that local government still has a planning committee that it can give an alternative point to officers' views. And I, and I will always advocate that's important, as I'm sure you are. And, of course, none of you are surprised that developers at the moment or anybody wanting to build are putting their applications in before the local plan comes in and carries its weight, which of course it's not going to carry any weight at the moment. Henham Parish Council particularly have asked me to call this in for two reasons. One is, well, more reasons, but the main ones is they do feel that they've had their fair share. They've had over 70 new houses of late and had their allocation. And also really it's that 
It was deferred so you could have your site visit. And I'm sure that you saw today, Henham is a village of charm and character. And this site is on the edge of the conservation area with listed buildings. And I know that Nigel stated out the fact that we don't have a conservation officer doesn't make any difference and that you're all experienced. But it would be nice if we did have somebody that, that we could convey you to, to see. So I think from your visit and looking at the impact already, I think that should be sufficient for you to realise that on this occasion you should refuse the application. Thank you. That was under two minutes. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Councillor Lees. Uh, Martin Ward. Mr. Ward, you have three minutes. It's on? Yeah. Uh, I was going to focus on the very issue that you've just raised. Uh, I'll continue to do so, even though it has been uh, identified. Uh, so forgive if there's a duplication of what's already been said. Uh, I don't believe the Planning Officer's report provides a balanced assessment on the negative impact of the application on one of Henham's conservation areas, including on neighbouring listed buildings. The direct impact on the conservation area of the works required to contrive access to the paddock is ignored. The conservation area appraisal of Henham in 2012 states that such areas are considered worthy of protection as a result of a combination of factors. This includes the design and setting of buildings, their historic significance, the relationship of buildings with each other and the quality of the space between them. Uh, so in addition to the points that will be raised uh, in a moment uh, by Jeff, I just wish to emphasise that this proposal does include a major two-storey site extension uh, to Bell House uh, for a garage music room and ensuite, and the mix of demolition of an existing building and major extension is firmly within the conservation area. I believe the proposals have a material, all of the proposals have a material negative impact on Henham's conservation area directly detracting from the quality of the space and relationship between neighbouring buildings, including the cluster of four listed buildings immediately to the east of Bell House. Many objections have been received from across the village, and they highlight the concern that approval of this backland development and the related works required to contrive access to such would set a precedent for similar proposals across Henham, including within its conservation areas. Separately, on a point of detail, the red line drawing, which happens to be up there, shown on the planning portal, is wrong. Despite written confirmation from the submitting architects in July that the drawing would be corrected within the planning application, the boundary between Apple Oak and the paddock remains incorrect, and I ask the proposers again to correct the relevant documents within the planning application. However, I stress that I see this as simply a point of detail. My main objections are to this committee centre on the direct impacts of the proposal on the conservation area and its listed buildings. So. Thank you very much, Mr. Ward. Uh, Jeff Gardner? Jeff, and again, my apologies from the deferral last time and the time spent. Chairman, if I may, I'm, I'm going to just pick up a few points that I made last time. I know there's since been a site visit, which obviously is, a, is the right thing to do, but then I, separately I want to address this deferral extension issue which has arisen only today having regard to the fact this is our second visit we frankly wouldn't want a third if it can be resolved and I'm sure you may feel the same so if you don't mind I'll, I'll deal with that at the end so clearly the um, a few points only from, from what I said before that the, um, uh, the parish council's objections include the fact that it's contrary to the pre-submission local plan 
and in, in, else, in other cases, some weight has been attached to that. Um, the the uh, emerging local plan has, has identified housing need in the district, it's allocated sites, and has already taken a great number of new housing. Clearly, this is not one of the allocated sites, so we think that that is a, a, uh, an objection to it. Then I pick up a few points in the, the officer's report, which I, I mentioned before, but I'll say again, that the... Um, uh, paragraph 11.3 mentions para MPF paragraph 80 and let me say again that that doesn't if you look at it doesn't apply to housing so no weight can be given to that um, paragraph 11.7 uh, mentions the five year housing land supply but it doesn't really apply the test of does the impact of this on the uh, conservation area listed buildings and so on represent significant and demonstrable impacts which overweigh that housing land supply issue. I think that's an important point. The economic benefits are very small indeed, mainly to do with the construction, recognising that most of the people living here will be travelling by car out, and that's mentioned in the report. Um, the claims, paragraph 1111 claims it's well screened on the edge of the village. There's nothing in the policy which actually supports those criteria. Uh, it says the, the policy, rather the policy S7, only be permitted if it protects or enhances the character of the countryside or needs to be there. No claim is made that this is what it is actually doing and I don't think any such claim could be made. Um, in 11.6 we get onto the conservation area listed buildings. I said before and it, we've picked it up in an earlier presentation, earlier application this morning, you don't have any expert views. I think you recognise that that's a, a difficulty. But here, we're not dealing with a, a building in the, in the um, I think somebody said, the middle of nowhere. We're here dealing with a site which is on the edge of the conservation area, close to listed buildings. I think you need some professional advice. If members have seen the site, they may well have formed their own view on that. And then the, the last point is that the... Um, the impact, the proper balance is, do these three extra houses versus the countryside protection plan-led system impact on conservation area, do they have enough benefit to outweigh those impacts? I've mentioned before, and I'll mention again, the policies I think which are applicable to, if you wish to refuse it, and that's S7, and in the emerging plan SP10, they say much the same thing. It's outside the settlement boundaries, which is H3 and emerging plan SP9, and the impact on the conservation listed buildings, EMV1, EMV2, emerging plan EN2 and EN4. With your permission, I'll now address the situation we're in with the, the lack of mention of the extension. Clearly, this is, a, this is our second visit here, and you know, no, very enjoyable it is, but no, you, you, you will appreciate that, that uh, we would like to get this out of the way, as I'm sure you would. It seems to me that the, if members decide to refuse this, if they've now looked at the site, tried to imagine the, the impact on the conservation listed buildings and so on, and they are minded to refuse it, the fact that the extension isn't mentioned or we haven't dealt with it either, quite frankly, um, is, is something that could be added to reasons for refusal, even at this stage. Certainly something, if it went to appeal, could easily be accommodated within the appeal process. 
If, on the other hand, members feel that, they've looked at it, they can't see anything wrong with it, then clearly the omission of the extension is something which is quite material and I think we would like to come back and have a, a fuller report. But if you're minded to refuse it anyway, no need, in my view, to come back here for a third time or look at the site yet again or whatever. You've probably got enough information to, information to go on. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Mr Gardner. I mean, just for information's sake, we did look at the impact of the extension on site. We had the elevations up. We sort of could quantify the scale of it. So some debate did go on about it on site this morning. So relevant to your point. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, we now have the agent, Mr Stollery. Have I got that right? Thank you. Uh, Mr Stollery, in total you have 11 minutes if you need it. Thank you, Chairman. Hopefully I won't need those. Um, just to correct on a couple of the points that have just been made, the, the red line issue has been dealt with as far as we're concerned. I don't know whether that's, there's, there's still an error on the website, but that has been corrected um, from correspondence, I think, between ourselves. Um, and also, just to make it clear that the extension's clearly outlined in the application itself. That's, it's not a, a fault of the application, it, just to make that clear. Um, I'm the applicant's architect. I also represent the owners of the site. Um, the proposed three new dwellings on the paddock land at the rear of Bell House follow a pattern of small clusters of residential development behind the established frontage plots within the conservation area. And these include high fields, which you looked at this morning, uh, over the hedgerows, hall close, the chase, and the Robin and Ivan houses. The proposed dwellings reflect the character and pattern of the recent precedents within the village and follow the typical spacing and grain of the surrounding detached properties. Uh, the proposal has been designed with, as a sensitive development which respects its setting between a conservation area and the open countryside and the house designs reflect the local Essex vernacular. As noted at this morning's meeting, the paddock sits outside the conservation area um, and ENV1 uh, obviously refers to development with inside the conservation area, uh, so it's not relevant in my uh, opinion. Uh, it's 65 metres back from the high street and it cannot be seen from here due to the existing houses and the landscaping, which ensures that the setting of the conservation area and the neighbouring listed buildings remain unaffected from the public realm. Indeed, there was some verbal advice between the conservation officer and uh, both the planning officer who did the pre-app and the planning officer who wrote the report, and that verbal advice stated that the proposals would not have an adverse effect on the setting of the conservation area or the neighbouring listed buildings. Uh, the site is currently well enclosed by established hedgerows, which we intend to uh, retain. Uh, there are also mature trees along its boundaries, and many of the neighbouring properties do not currently have clear views of the site from within their properties due to the existing vegetation, as well as the distances that their properties are set back from their own rear boundaries. The proposed dwellings have been carefully positioned to minimise any possibility of overlooking, with significant distances of at least 25 metres but typically over 40 metres to neighbouring buildings. And there is an image that shows that, which was looked at at this morning's meeting. I think one of your slides shows that. Given that the privacy is achieved by the distances between the proposed and existing properties, it follows that overshadowing and overbearing are not a concern. Careful consideration has been given to the form and scale of the proposed dwellings, and with particular care taken to make sure that the ridge heights are comparable to the closest two-storey dwellings. Uh, as has already been mentioned, the paddock site sits outside the village development limits, 
but as Uttlefords cannot currently demonstrate their housing supply, the proposal should be judged against the MPPF with a presumption in favour of sustainable development. Three new houses will make a small but positive contribution to the housing supply and the village is clearly considered a sustainable location due to several recent developments in the village being approved during the last five years. In summary, the proposals do not cause any adverse effects to the existing ecology. The proposed dwellings are designed to be in keeping with the local vernacular using traditional materials. Overlooking has been mitigated by the positioning of the dwellings on the site. The proposals utilise an existing access which minimises any impact on the conservation area. The setting of the listed buildings remains unaffected and the proposals contribute three new houses in a sustainable location. The pre-app response clearly stated that development on the site would have no significant impact on the countryside and the case officer's report agrees stating that there would be very little impact on the character of the area given the backdrop of the existing dwellings and the screening already afforded to the site. We do not believe that any of the adverse impacts of this proposal can significantly or demonstrably outweigh the benefits of the proposal and that the planning officer's recommendation for approval should be supported. Thank you very much, Mr Stollery. Um, Councillor Chambers, very quick off the mark. Thank you, Mr Chairman. And um, Councillor Fairhurst, after you. Okay. Mr Chairman, I, I, um, if I'm right and I've read it properly, uh, I was the one that, that actually put forward a site visit here. Now, I did have um, serious concerns about this, and indeed, of course, with the extension on the house, makes it even worse, to my humble opinion. Now, I've lived in a small village or a hamlet all my life. We have some of the most beautiful scenery, certainly in Essex, but probably on a countrywide basis. If, you are, if we, as a planning committee and as a council are going to start building on backland development in small villages, because that's what it is, then we are going to spoil the small villages that, as, as had been said here, has already provided 70 houses. I think it's not right and proper that we should be looking at three houses with all the reasons that have been put forward, but... This is a long-term thing, not a short-term thing. Small villages thrive through being small villages with a community spirit. There is a need to have some new houses within every village so that you try and encourage younger people to come to the village, albeit they're very expensive and they're not going to get any cheaper, but you should encourage them to come so that you can put life back into small villages or continue to do so. Now, I'm speaking about this because I have one in my own village coming up where I've got exactly the same thing. Three houses going in a backland development, which I'm sorry, in my humble opinion, for the future of housing and this country and its beauty, will start to spoil this whole area. The whole area that we live in, and we've been talking about planning today, is that we're not very far from London. We have a major airport on the, on the doorstep. We have the M11, which goes straight up to London. 
we have Cambridge, which is the Silicon City of this country, we have got to make sure that this part of Essex does remain a rural and has its small villages as well as it has its major places as well. So, Mr uh, Chairman, for all the reasons put down there, uh, it's a a conservation area, it's backland development, um, three houses is not going to make that much difference to the all, all this rubbish we talk about, a fa- sorry, I, I think a lot of it's rubbish, five-year land supply. The whole thing seems to be dependent on this and we're getting absolutely obsessed on it and I don't think it's necessary, particularly in small villages. So I'm sorry, but there's no way that I could support this application at all. Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, Mr Chairman, thank you. <coughs> a couple of points. Um, First is that fair share is not a planning consideration, and unfortunately being a beautiful small village is not either. If it was, we wouldn't have put up 250 houses in our, in our own town, because we like them, oh, one would argue. Um, the issue is that we went out there today, and I must say that, first of all, it, it was rather nicely laid out. It's a good, it was notably nicely laid out. It gave us a chance to walk around and actually see where the houses are, which was very helpful. Um, and I'm not going to allude to a lipstick on a pig or anything like that, but it at least gave us a chance to formulate a confident opinion on things. The extension, which is part of the application, as I understand, until the rules change, apparently they change all the time, um, we have to see it as one application, is a slightly different fettle of kish. Because we're effectively going to move a garage, destroy a garage, and build a road through it. Now, that's in the conservation area, but we're not going to talk about that. And we're going to drive down that road in the conservation area to get to a nice, sunny upland and build our three houses. We do need houses. We are stuck with planning principles, and I'd like to suggest that perhaps every now and again we do that. the one point that actually does make a direct impact on a conservation area, and here I go again, believe it or not, saying we don't got the competence. I'm not a conservation officer. I'm never going to be a conservation officer. I live in a 400-year-old house. It's not, I just don't have the skill for it. And when I sat there today, I looked at these wonderful houses, well laid out. I couldn't imagine what a conservation officer's view would be. And it's outside development limits. These are big issues. So S7 in real terms does seem to apply. These are important processes, I think. The problem is this. If you look at this, this question about building outside the limits, you have to ask yourself, what happens if we keep on doing this? Where do we stop? Let's just sign this off. Let's build these three lovely houses, which are rather expensive houses, and I certainly wouldn't build afford them when I was a young chap, but um, let's build them. Where does the next driveway go? And that can go through these, this lot here, and we can build another three beyond that until we've built three houses on and on and on. That's the reason why we have an S7. So I have a problem, despite the lovely layout and with disregard for fair shares in beautiful villages. I propose we reject, not defer, we reject this as not going to work for us. It simply isn't going to work. Two very good reasons. Thank you. Okay, I'll take that on point until I come back for a seconder. Councillor Gerrard and then Councillor Freeman. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, Councillor Chambers makes very, very good points. And... um, I live in Newport, also a beautiful village, also was, is, was, still just. Um, Another linear village, which Henham is a linear village, 
We have had many applications in Newport which are outside of the development limits. We're fighting also to retain our stature as a village. And um, indeed, we have an appeal coming up next week of a very large application that this committee turned down last May on S7. Um, I think there is a point where we just have to say that, you know, if, you, if, if we are going to allow this sort of application to go through, then we really are opening up the floodgates and we might as well just go home. I think villages like Henham need to be protected, just like other beautiful villages do all around our district, our county and our country. So I'm going to keep it very, very simple. I, I will second the motion to reject this application, predominantly on S7, and on the tilted balance, I believe that, it is, uh, that the, the harms far outweigh the benefits. Thank you. Mr Brown, you're going to talk about development limits. Well, no, 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 I'm going to help members here. This is quite straight. First of all, to give members a comfort, to pick up um, Mr. Gardner, and I'm glad that members started debating because I wasn't going to say anything after Mr. Gardner. I didn't want you to just to refuse it, just to get it out of the way, to quote. But I think I agree with Mr. Gardner that you were quite in your rights to refuse permission. If you were moving towards positive, towards it, I'd still be encouraging you to do that, but I'd go, hang on, hang on, hold back. I'm getting the, the, I'm getting the feel from this. The application lies in the open countryside. Members are quite entitled to consider it. It's tilted balance. You're absolutely right in terms of the impact on the countryside. S7, impact on the countryside. Um, EMV1, I'll come on to the conservation area next. What Councillor Chambers alluded to also was the backland issue, un unacceptable backland. Not only is this development in the countryside, it is also backland. Backland in itself is not necessarily a bad thing. I think Councillor Chambers may disagree, but I think but the actual policy H4 is inappropriate backland, so if members are satisfied this is inappropriate backland, that's a, that's a refusable reason as well. Um, EMV1 in terms of conservation, you have no conservation officer's view, and this is a different discussion to the one we've just had. If Councillor Fair has, to, uh, and, he, and he's just said it there, I would agree with him, uh, and I would say you can't, but I do feel that if members are moving to refuse this, then you can add an EMV1 refusal reason. And Mr Gardner is quite right, that could be sorted out at the appeal stage because at the end of the day, if it ends up that we get a, we will get a, if it goes to appeal, we will get conservation input and if it looks like it would fall away, then we, with members we would have to discuss that issue moving forward. So it's better to add it in now rather than and take it out. I'm not saying we should take it out, but it's, it's rather than try to add it in later. So members are quite entitled if they feel fit to refuse it for S7, EMV1 and H4 backland. But I would emphasise it is EMV2 is also mentioned in terms of listed buildings, but that's another judgment the members may want to make. But I, we haven't got anything specific about that. But I should also add, members are just you are talking about the specifics of the site, and both Councillor Chambers and Councillor Gerard mentioned it in the general. I'm going to be boring and say every development on its merits, so you're going to have an application for three hours in exactly the same situation. It may be a different village. You need to consider that on its own merits, and I just need to emphasise that. But moving forward, if, if, the, if the proposal is satisfied, that's, that's an appropriate way forward. Okay, I'm going to take Councillor Freeman, then I'll come back to that. Okay? Yes, thank you, Chairman. <clears throat> I think much of what I wanted to say has been said already, but can we go back to the elevations, please? Uh, they're in, they're in, oh, yeah, that, any of those would do. Um, these are rather splendid Gothic properties. Um, not quite the sort of thing I would expect in that village, but even so. Uh, if you go back to the plan, please. 
Thank you. Yeah. Now, this shows the paucity of some aspects of our planning process, I think, because on the right, there is Highfields, which is the lane, uh, and there are several clearly quite fine houses along it. That is, I submit, I don't know, other people here will know, uh, an example of backland development, because they're modern houses, and they're strung out on a string behind the main street. Here we're considering another one, also backland development. And then if you go to the left, there's other places that could be have houses built on them. And so once you've established one, and I know we only consider each application on its merit, then I think it's, it's, it's naive uh, to consider that that's where it's going to stop, because very clearly this application is on the back of the successful one some years ago on Highfields, very clearly. Uh, it is a development in the countryside. It is backland development. Uh, it's basically development on the green field. It's not part, apparently, of the emerging local plan, uh, and it's within the conservation area. So this gives us ample reason for saying no. And we could say yes. You'd have three very large houses built in the countryside, um, whatever that's worth. I take Councillor Chambers' point that it's uh, a very small part of the task facing us in meeting government requirements uh, on today's housing. Uh, but I would be very, I, I would be very happy to, um, I, I'm mindful of refusing this, uh, and I'd be also happy to second it, the second refusal. Well, we actually have a seconder already. Um, I'll just sum up then for everybody, if everybody's had enough to say. Um, yeah, I find myself in agreement with nearly everything you've said so far. Um, I think it was perhaps Mr Storey who used the word progressive developments. And following up on your point, yes, the land to the left of this, I can also see an access coming through. It's already bordered by hedgerow. I could see that coming as well. So, yeah, it's sort of thin end of the wedge stuff. I don't know if we would have actually approved Fairfield if it had come before us as such, if that was one of the first ones, but that's a mute point. Um, I just think the houses are too big and in the wrong location. Um, he used the word contributing. I don't know where their neighbourhood plan is, but while these developments go on, they don't tend to contribute perhaps to the village as much. Um, it's not as if there's anything actually financially coming back or something is being gained by the community. It tends to cause quite a lot of disruption when you're building in these locations. And I also find the contrivance of the drive a little bit of a, a nonsense through the conservation area. So, um, uh, Councillor Lachlan, before we go to a vote. Yeah, I just want to make sure this is tied up properly because it actually, the land is not in a conservation area. It's outside. So if you're going to refuse it, you may need to make sure that uh, that's, that's done correctly, otherwise it will fail at appeal. It's Thank you. Councillor Lockhart, I was just, that's one thing I forgot to say, that the site lies outside the conservation area and policy EMV1 specifically says sites within the extent, that covers the extension but doesn't cover the dwellings, but it's the way we word the refusal reason, because we go back to first principles of MPPF, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, but, I mean, I, the emerging policy has a lot more to it in terms of, saying impact on conservation, but we can, we can marry that up, so don't worry. I have a proposal for refusal and that has a seconder. All those in favour of a refusal, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Those against? Abstain. You're abstaining. Okay, that item is refused. Thank you very much.
UTT 182917, land north of Dunmo Road, Takeley. Mrs Jones to take us through it. Mrs Jones, when you're ready. Yep, sorry, I was just waiting for those to leave. Thank you, Chair. Uh, this application is um, for a site to the north of Dunmore Road to the west of Takeley. It is outside development limits and within the countryside protection zone. To the west of the western boundary is the access to Takeley Church, which is up here and uh, is a grade two listed building. And there is a listed building here, Miller's, is also a listed building. The, this site here has all been developed with housing. Um, the western, southern and northern boundaries of the site are all tree-lined. The site has been cleared and work commenced on the development, allowed on appeal for seven dwellings under planning application UTT 152454. Oops, sorry. Um, this is an extant permission for the site that was allowed on appeal for seven dwellings. The proposal is for to erect eight dwellings on the site with associated garaging and landscaping. Um, as I said, the seven dwellings on the site is extant and has been implemented. Um, this scheme is basically identical to the previous scheme that was allowed on appeal, apart from plot eight, which is here. <coughs> on the previous scheme, that plot eight was for a cart lodge. This permission being sought is for a flat to be um, built above those, that cart lodge. It would be a two bedroom flat that would be created. This shows just some photos of the site. Um, there was a, a site next to it that had planning permission in 2014 that has been built. And that just shows the, some pictures of the site. The applicants have requested that condition 8 be removed from um, what's, what's put forward in my report because seven of the properties could be built without this requirement under the previous permission that was allowed at appeal. And they're happy for the one extra dwelling to be subject to that condition, but not the other seven dwellings. Can I just ask that? Um, the application is recommended for approval subject to conditions. Okay, thank you, Mrs Jones. Uh, we have one speaker, the agent, and then we'll come to the members. 
Mr. Wilshire, you have five minutes. I'll try not to take too much of your time this afternoon. Um, as you say, I'm here to speak on behalf of the applicant's stone bond properties. Um, as Mandin has already stressed, planning permission was originally approved by an imperial inspector in 2016 for seven dwellings on the site. Uh, the inspector, in making his decision, found that the site was a suitable site for residential development, that the proposed development was sustainable within the context of the MPBF definition, and that the application did not result in any adverse effects that would outweigh the economic and social benefits, such as its contribution towards boosting housing supply that would be generated by the development. Following the approval, the site has now been sold to Stone Bond Properties, who in November last year were granted planning permission for non-material amendments to the design of the approved dwellings. The permission has subsequently been implemented with the dwellings being constructed as we speak, as confirmed within the oil committee report. The application before you this afternoon is therefore similar in the majority of aspects to the approved scheme, with paragraph 3.3 of the committee report setting out the limited changes to the scheme, amounting simply to the FOG dwelling, minor alterations to the appearance of the dwellings, and minor amendments to the site layout to increase garden sizes. In all other respects, including access and landscaping arrangements and the seven implemented dwellings, the scheme is identical to the implemented scheme. The officer's committee report confirms, therefore, that the changes to the scheme have not resulted in any harm in respect of matters such as highways, ecology or landscaping. Accordingly, we therefore hope members of the committee can support this application. Just touching on conditions which Madeline has raised, uh, we would like to draw attention to conditions 4 and 8. Um, with respect to condition 4, a construction management plan was submitted with a narrow implemented scheme for seven dwellings, and therefore the erection of the additional FOG dwelling, plot 8, will be carried out fully in accordance with that plan. We therefore question whether the condition is, is required, and we would request that the condition be reworded such that it reads that the construction of the development should be carried out in accordance with drawing number um, to avoid the unnecessary expense of the applicant having to submit an application to discharge details which the officers have already agreed to be acceptable. Um, then just touching on condition 8 which Madeline has already been uh, raised, sorry. Uh, the implemented development is currently being built to lifetime home standards and not to category 2 standards as there wasn't a similarly worded condition on the approved implemented scheme. Uh, consistency, and as Madin has touched on, uh, we would request that this condition be removed so that the overall development is built in accordance with the correct set of conditions. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr Wilshire. Um, okay, members, over to you, and I think I'll start with Councillor Fairhurst and then Councillor Lachlan. My only comment is I, I'm, I'm completely confused. Um, there are a couple of question marks, and I'll ask what that condition is that you wanted to be removed, first of all, and secondly, it looks like you're building one more house. It's, it's, it's an application that's become an application. I don't, it's, it's very confusing. Are we agreeing, because we've been, been granted seven houses, now we're going to go for eight. So you're just going to add an extra house. So it's an application for one house that looks like an application for eight houses. Sorry, can I just ask him responsibly? Just to clarify, this, this application has only come to you by default because it's, an it's, it's, it's technically an application for eight dwellings. That's what you're approving. But in reality, you're right. You're approving an eighth dwelling. 
and, 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 it's an, and it's an extant permission. And as a result of that, it's one of those ones, the delegated scheme of delegation, anything more than five dwellings in Takeley has to come to committee, and that's why it's here. And uh, so, that, that, and that, so basically it's an additional unit. Sorry, Mr. Chairman. Just the second question is, what's that other development on the right-hand side? Are we, are we facing here the most horrible consequences of looking at two applications at the same time? There's a single entrance, and it looks like you couldn't live on the second site unless you had the first site first. Mr. Brown. First, well, I think Madeline can, can confirm this, but the, the right has been built out. In 2014. So the, the site on the... If you get that site back up again, yeah. The site on the right, outside the site, has been built out. It's there. It's occupied and finished. And the site on the left is a permission for seven, which is now being implemented. So it is basically adding one more unit to the whole scheme. Councillor Lachlan. Uh, thank you. Well, we've just heard a big spiel from a few members about things being outside development limits. A lot of our applications that we get actually are, as is this. Um, and then we get thrown at us, oh, well, we don't have a five-year land supply, so that negates that. Um, so uh, on one hand, we approve things outside development limits, and on the other hand, something comes along and we complain about it. So, uh, you know, we really need to be consistent. But that isn't my big thing. The big thing is this is in the countryside protection zone. This is policy S8, and this is a policy that we fought for when the airport was expanding, as it still is, as you are well aware, so that we could protect the countryside around the airport from airport expansion. Uh, and, and here we are. It's not the first time. We've had a few of these in the countryside protection zone, and it goes against all the principles that this Council actually fought for when we asked for the countryside protection zone, and it still exists in the new local plan. So, uh, for, these, for that reason, I will not vote for this on a principle because I think once I start doing that, I'll have to do it all the time, and I just I'm, my conscience won't let me. So, I will not vote for this. I think it's a bad application. Councillor Gerard, and then Councillor Freeman, and then Councillor Wells. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Mr. Brown, just a couple of points of clarity. I'm just looking at uh, the Takeley Parish Council comments and I just wanted to ask, they seem to infer that there's been two applications here to avoid Section 106. Could you just clarify if that's correct? No, is the answer to that question. What's happening, this was one of my original suspicions. Whenever I see developments like this, I always get quite suspicious that this is halving the pie and not paying the 106 payments. It is not the case. There is, there is a considerable time difference between this one and being improved. In fact, in, in allowing the recent appeal for the seven that's coming out of the ground, that particular issue was considered by the planning inspector, and the planning inspector said there was a sufficient time period between the first... And they were originally... I don't know if they were originally two different owners. They are now current. But the, the first site, the time period between the first site being developed or being approved and the second site being allowed on appeal in 2016 was a considerable time. So the, so the inspector considered you can't connect the two and say that they, 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 they come up with affordable housing. I agree with the parish, but I think that, that, that argument has been run at appeal. Thank you for that. And secondly, their last issue regarding drainage... Um, Again, this is a countryside protection zone. There is a potential issue on flooding. Could we have some clarity on whether or not that is also a material consideration for us? 
Just bear with him a second. I think it's... Sorry, I know you hear this quite a lot in Newport. It's a lot about maintaining the existing drainage systems. So we have an existing drainage system which, which relies on ditches and subject to those being maintained, the drainage system works. So I don't think we could refuse a matter on a drainage scheme, bearing in mind we... And ironically, on this scheme, you have a development, a residential development, possibly, probably with adopted roads, proper drainage schemes, but it does rely on existing drainage schemes like ditches to be obviously maintained. And unfortunately, that is not within the gift of the applicant. That's in the gift of the responsible riparian owners. Thank you. Um, right, well... Having had that information and clarity, I, I, you know, I, I must say I'm inclined to agree with Council Lockley on this on a point of principle. Um, there has been already substantial development here. It is within the countryside protection zone, and I don't, on matter of principle, think that it warrants an extra one, so I'm inclined to refuse this. All right, I'm going to take Councillor Freeman and then Councillor Wells. Thank you, Chairman. Um, perhaps you could have some clarification on Condition 8, uh, because uh, you're asking for Category 2 accessible and adaptable buildings, M4 subsection 2 of building regs. Uh, now, I know these have changed because uh, we've often been reminded that lifetime home standard is the new one, or is that the old one? The old one, right. Um, I'm mindful of an application that came before us for a number of properties in Chesterford, Great Chesterford, uh, and the consent was originally given in 2014 for a, an estate, and then the developer came back and said, well, I want to build some more. And we said, fine, but it has to be according to 2018 or 2017, I can't remember. Uh, regulations, not 2014. And that would involve putting lifts into the properties, which is a very good thing. You could get away with it in 2014, they weren't required. But in going up an extra floor under current legislation, they are required. And that applies to this as well, I think. Can you show us a picture, please, of this cart store, which has turned into a... Yeah, okay. Uh, oh, yes, it's got a little door on the side as well. Um, <coughs> Building a flat over some car park for somebody else's car seems to be an odd thing to do. It's a way to get an extra dwelling in, but I'm fundamentally opposed to it, and I think that it's seven dwellings, and it's seven dwellings, and that's it. You know, and a cart store, if you've got a cart store there anyway. So I would be inclined to refuse this application, Chairman. Thank you. Councillor Wells. I've kind of read the answer to my question, so I really... I was, I was, it's, an extant, it's not an extant appeal, is it? It's just a repeat of what was allowed on appeal next door. Yes. Mr Brown, just to clarify for you, Leslie. It's adding a dwelling to what was allowed on appeal, basically. That's what it's doing. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, well, I'll just clarify my question then. Um, that The site adjacent to it is the one that was allowed on appeal, is it not? No, the site adjacent was... And this is where I probably where Mike and Mike are coming with the CPZ issue. The site adjacent to it was approved, was approved by by the council. I assume because of the size, it probably came to planning committee and was approved. The site next door was refused, and and that one was allowed on appeal. And in discussing the appeal, 
the, 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 the inspector took out the affordable housing issue, but also dismissed the, the CPZ issue, bearing in mind what has happened next door. And so therefore we now have a whole site other than where this, other where the whole site was going to be developed out. And that's where I think the CPZ argument is possibly flown. Since then, obviously, we've now done as part of the evidence base for the new local plan, the merging local plan, the CPZ was reviewed. And so therefore the CPZ is, is fit for purpose. I pick up Councillor Lachlan's point. We did allow a numbers of CPZ sites to go. This was one of those sites which was allowed to go partially by us and secondly by the inspector. I don't think the CPZ was the reasons for refusal, but that was considered as part of the appeal. So that one half of the site has been approved by the council. The other seven dwellings on this site has, was, approved, was allowed an appeal and that has been implemented and is being implemented. So it's additional dwelling. So I would find it very difficult to run an argument over an additional dwelling because of CPZ reasons. I think yeah. even if that's a point of principle in terms of doing it, I think that's a very difficult one argument to run. Okay. That was kind of my point then, surely, that if we are in that situation, we have got very little ground on which to refuse it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll sort of have my bit now, if I may, I, before you come in. Uh, I think this is a no-brainer, really. Um, we need lower-cost housing. We need affordable space. This is space on top of a garage. Utilise it. It's as simple as that. I, I don't see any reason. This now will be in character with the rest. I don't have an issue with somebody's car parking underneath it. It will be a one-bed or two-bed unit. We need these sort of units. These are affordable. So, for that reason, I shall be supporting it. Councillor Lockman. Thank you. Well, I'm just wondering, because the uh, Countryside Protection Zone was, as uh, Mr Brown said, was reviewed and it's gone through in the local plan, if the inspector took no notice of it here, is he not going to take any notice of it in the local plan or shall we get rid of it? No, as I say, the CPZ has been reviewed as part of the local plan and, you know, that would have been... 2016 when that I don't know whether that happened before the appeal or at the same time as the appeal or around but now the CPZ before we moved on there was a discussion regarding the local plan whether the CPZ has a function and whether the CPZ is working now okay accepted CPZ's some sites in Elsenham and in Takeley have been lost as part of the CPZ but the CPZ has been shown to have worked in various places in various places it has a function and its elements were and so basically it was reviewed one field was taken out and one field was put in, I think, basically. But it's I think it's all pigs are equal, but some pigs are more equal no, than others. No, no, that's not there. the case. That's not the case. I think it's Meanwhile, this site had a housing estate on it. So, therefore, as far as reviewing this is contributing towards the CPZ, you can argue about whether a field does or not. And my argument moving forward in terms of CPZ development, and my team's getting this, any development on a field that's in the CPZ, as far as I'm concerned, is a no, is, is yeah. potentially a no, because the CPZ... But when you've already got a housing estate being built on it, I think it's very difficult to run that argument. So I think the CPZ is now being rejuvenated through the review in 2016, but this is one of those sites that was lost through previous discussions regarding the application. And so I think, but, but I also add, there has been lots of discussions where we've been dealing with applications for four and five bedroom dwellings and saying, why haven't we had got these smaller units? Well, this is one of the ones we want, and there is a genuine need for these, for these units. Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. I'd just like to agree with your summary of the situation a few minutes ago um, with regard to the um, provision of smaller units. We desperately need those, and uh, this flat-over cart lodge seems to me to be an additional um, 
possibility too for uh, people with not a huge sum of money to spend on, uh, on, a, on a house. So uh, um, I'm all in favour and I'd like to propose um, uh, approval of this application. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, yes, I think we're, it's a real interesting situation. Um, I wholeheartedly support Councillor Loughlin's position on the CPZ and the protection thereof, and clearly we were consistent with that when we rejected this and went to appeal. Um, in a sort of, sort of odd sort of way, we are probably minded to reject it just to keep constant, consistent with it, except that things have changed now. There are now seven houses on the site, and it sort of changes things a lot. It's no longer protection and it's not protected. Um, however, there is a motion now ahead to, 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 to approve it, and I don't think we've got much of a choice because they're building over a garage. There's no increased footprint or whatever. However, if we do that, the way this is worded, we're effectively approving a planning application for eight dwellings, which isn't the case at all. It's a planning application for an extra dwelling, for an eighth dwelling. And I'd like to suggest, that at the very least, that if we do approve this process, we mark in red that this is an exceptional circumstance. We're not approving a house in the CPZ. We're approving the, an eighth house to an already approved seven house in the CPZ, so it doesn't come back and bite us as being an exception to our process. It's quite important. As an eighth house, I could support this. As eight houses, absolutely not. Completely agree with you. So okay. I. I, I, have a, I, have a second, I have a proposal for an approval. Councillor Hicks, does that find a second now? Councillor Lemon, happy to second. Okay. I have a proposer and seconder for an approval. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six. All those against, please show. One, two, three, six, three. That item is carried with the caveat of Councillor Fairhurst's comments that we make it very clear that basically the footprint hasn't changed and we're not changing our policy for Councillor Lachlan's benefit. No, I totally agree. For the district's benefit, I beg your pardon. And with that, we'll move on to the last item. UTT 18-2681, a listed buildings application in Quendon. And Mrs Clark is going to present. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'm not even going to raise to that. Uh, this application is, I think, is quite straightforward. It's, it's a listed building, and this is, is applications only with you because the applicant is related to a, to a local member. The application includes the introduction. Oh, that's all there is. I thought that, hopefully, that was all it is. The application includes the introduction of secondary glazing within a listed building. Um, it is considered acceptable. The conservation officer was consulted on this one, or a conservation service was consulted regarding this application, and there have been no objections in terms of the impact to this to build and the application is recommended for approval, Chairman. Proposed approval, Mr Chairman. Thank you very much for your efforts today. I'd also like to thank Councillor Fairhurst for his statements. A fiddle of kish, which is probably the funniest thing I've ever heard, and lipstick on a pig. <laughs>